Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Commercial Property Investor Podcast, where it's my job to introduce you to people from the world of commercial property. We're talking with investors and thought leaders about their experiences of the commercial property world and sharing our own lessons from the last 20 years to give you practical know-how so that you can follow in their footsteps. If you've ever thought commercial could be your next step, but it just seems too confusing and opaque, then you've come to the right place. There are so many exciting opportunities in this dynamic sector, and I'm looking forward to pulling back the curtain and sharing them with you. There's such a fear in the market about rising costs of utilities, water, everything, that it's very comforting for tenants to have just a one fixed monthly sum and you don't worry about anything else. Welcome back to the Commercial Property Investor Podcast. Today I'm joined by Noreen. Hi Noreen. Hi Jerry. how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for coming into our studio today. Oh, no bother, it's very fancy. It's very Pleasure warm, to be here. shall we say. <laughs> it is very warm, yes. Hottest day of the year, hottest room <laughs> in the country. It certainly is. Um, it's, a, it's great to have you on the show because we've known each other for a while and we've worked together a little bit on some of the stuff you've been um, doing with commercial property but you're coming from a slightly different background, right? Yes. And your whole ser- your whole situation is not unique. I know that you, you're like, oh, this is a bit different. I'm coming at this from a different angle. But actually, there's quite a few people mm-hmm. in the same scenario. Mm-hmm. And that is that there's an existing property portfolio there, an existing building. Yeah. Um, and you're looking at doing your own ideas and your own development for the future, right? So let, let's just set the scene. What, what is the business right now? What, what is the day-to-day activity? Okay, so it's a commercial business centre in the south side of Glasgow, which is a fully enclosed four and a half acre site, um, which has around about 120,000 square feet of yeah, it's premises, small. Yep. which is split into heavy duty industrial warehousing yep. and then a mixture of office units and some various studio spaces. And we've recently been converting some of the larger units into smaller, chunked up uh, commercial multi-occupancy units, which has been a bit of a game changer over the last year, shall we say. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. So anyone anyone that knows Glasgow and you go um, over the bridge, down the M8, it's there on the left. You can't miss it. Big, ugly, salmon-coloured building. It's a Soon brilliant Soon to have a wee facelift, yes, oh, this facelift summer. Coming. Yes, well, okay, uh-huh. cool. Lots of thousands of pounds worth of painting going on. <laughs> so how long, I, I had a building painted last year, it was 14 grand, it was just nuts. Treble that. I, I can imagine, they, ours is slightly smaller than 100 <laughs> odd thousand square feet. Um, so how long has the building been in the family? You know, let, let's just um, go back to... I think since 1990. 1990. So it's the old Coates Thread factory. So Coates Thread were the biggest manufacturers of thread in the world. Yep. And obviously the stuff all came from, the thread all came from the mills in Paisley. And then I believe that building was the Coates Thread factory, which was the closest building to the river. So the ships could right. you know, wow. get docked there um, and supplied thread to all over the world. Yep. So it's, you know, 100 plus years old. Um, and my father, my mother and father had an office furniture business which was started in the 70s and were paying, I think, £30,000 a year to rent wow. a huge warehouse in Shield Hall. And in 1990, this building became available for sale and they purchased it and they figured if we've got free rent for our own warehouse, then any other rental income we make from other tenants is a bonus. Yeah. So that was the idea. And that's what happened. That's and what happened. 
So the partitioning and things in there, has that all been subsequently put in or was or has it basically always been split up? Some of it was split up and yep. we split up further in yep. other areas. But as you said, yeah. predominantly for industrial. Yeah. Yeah, storage. Yeah. Is there any sort of manufacturing going on? Is it No, no. Storage. It, mostly storage, yeah. Uh-huh. So, or, you know, logistics. So um, we had a plant hire company in there for 30 years, actually. They actually just left last year. They were our first ever tenant. (laughs) So the plant hire company, office furniture company, and then just various office units, which have been headquarters to a couple of charities and things. So so what's the biggest sized unit? 50,000 square feet. And what's the smallest? 115. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good mix. <laughs> and how many units are there roughly? 16, although now we've split one up into CMOs. So there's a further seven within that. Yeah. Um, and we're aiming to do the same again for a bigger premises. For a big unit. Okay, so this, this, so this is where things start diverging, right? So originally business moves in, spare space, let's rent it out, large spaces mm-hmm. on a traditional lease, FRI lease. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And but now, Noreen's getting a wee bit frustrated at that model, accepting or or at least looking at the market and thinking things are changing a little bit. I maybe need to start changing our offer. Yeah. That'd be a fair point. Yeah, because obviously there's a much smaller pool of people who want a fifty thousand square foot warehouse sure. than people that want a three thousand square foot workshop yep. or whatever. So. We're marketing, ongoing marketing, but I was aware that all the leads that were coming to me were for much smaller spaces. And also, as you well know, Jerry, there's such a fear in the market about rising costs of utilities, water, everything, that it's very comforting for tenants to have just a one fixed monthly sum and you don't worry about anything else. And there's no, you know, commitment to a huge long lease or whatever. It's just, and we've you know, done the thing that is a, like a drag-along lease as well, so it will license this really. So if people want to be in the space and their business expands or shrinks or whatever, as long as they stay with us, yep. we'll release them from their existing. So this, but this is your CMO element, yeah, to be yeah, fair. So, because yeah. this is interesting, I've actually been listening to a few podcasts recently myself about um, landlords <laughs> and leases and from their perspective and the landlords moving more into flex space and actually, it made me reflect. Well, that's exactly what Noreen is, because you know you've got this large um, square footage that's been let out on traditional FRI leases for years, and, and broken up, but nevertheless in big chunks. Yeah. And now, you know, when we first started working together, like, well, actually, I want to start really changing that model and and going more for a flexible offer. And it's just quite interesting that that um, that that's a dynamic that. Generally, when people are talking about that in our, in our industry, they're talking about huge national players. Mm-hmm. They're starting to think about, you know, like um, land securities or something. They're starting to develop out their own flex space. But here's somebody on the ground. It's their own building, a family building, and you're you're making these changes yourself. And what was it that really was it? Just the inquiries that were coming in. What what was it that made you think? Do you know what I we <laughs> are going to do this? Yeah, the level of inquiries. I was constantly being asked for, you know, smaller spaces. Um, I was aware, looking at other developments across Glasgow and and wider afield, you know, obviously yourself included, um, that there really is a real demand for that multi-occupancy, you know, small unit with a lesser commitment and 
it just seemed to work. You know, it just seemed to make sense. Obviously, there's upfront costs for, you know, converting the space. Um, we put in, you know, some fairly high tech security entry systems and, and that kind of stuff. So there is obviously an, up, an upfront um, investment. But the the rates we were getting in return are just you know, insane. I mean, it's... Yeah, you, you, uh-huh. that's because you've got, you're looking at it through the prism of letting out 50,000 square foot at uh-huh. X uh-huh. pound per square foot yeah, or pence exactly. or whatever the number is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how many square feet did you convert? Um, 2,300. Okay, so, and you've created seven units out of Seven that. units, yeah. So obviously we lose a bit of space with the common sure. area. So I think the net lettable of the rest um, is 1,700, 16, okay. 1,650, something like that. And I often talk on the podcast about that magic number of 10,000 square foot and you can put a person in, but, you know, you have got a presence on site. Yeah. It's obviously not dedicated to this space. Yeah. So people that come in and out of that area, you mentioned they're about investing in tech. Do, do, they, do you have much interaction with them or...? Finally, I do. I've become the mammy. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's actually a very young dynamic we have in there. Right. And um, I don't mean I'm business advice, far from it, but like, yeah, they pop in to see me and they want to know my take on things. And we've actually helped one of the businesses, a bit of a startup business and need delays and funding coming through and things. Right. So we've helped them out a bit. Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, so it's been interesting. And my real thing is I am a real people person. I'm a real... Um, unconscious networker and I I want to create a community I want people to belong there I want people to uh, use each other's businesses to support each other's businesses so I'm really trying to create a bit of a community feel there so there is a lot of interaction Um, sometimes I wonder (laughs) what the hell I've done but um, yeah there is so we've got four new tenants in in various units at the moment and they're all using each other's services they're all yeah. interacting with each other so we're going to have a kind of you know, so there's a gel going on there whether yeah. whether you're, you're going to have a barbecue day mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's something we've been doing recently we've got another one this week hopefully before the weather changes right yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so that's already happening and interesting it's happening not necessarily with you there although you've mm-hmm. you know probably introduced them all to each other and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. but now there's a bit of synergy going on and a bit of um, critical mass, I guess, yeah. in the unit so that the people are actually doing that um, relationship building themselves. Mm-hmm. So the next, you mentioned earlier on about doing another piece, what, uh-huh. what sort of size are you looking at next? So we have another unit which traditionally actually was four separate units, right. but for the last 10 plus years it's been one entire space. So it would lend itself easily to being converted back into individual units and actually the tenant that is in there just now has not got that long left in their lease but they've come to us to say our work has really changed we don't really work from the office anymore like what can you do for us and on one hand you could just be very black and white and say you know tough you're there to pay the rent and rates and everything until the expiration of your lease and I know you don't want to buy out of your lease because you're a charity and that wouldn't look good in your books but um what we've said is, why don't we take back bit by why don't we mark it bit by bit, and take back chunk by chunk and release you yes. chunk by chunk from your lease, because I really think it would lend itself well to be in another multi occupancy unit, and the layout works and we have demand, so that's I'm great. sure we could fill it in bite sized pieces. Yeah, that, you know? that that's definitely mitigating your risk. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not going to lay ourselves wide open to right. We'll take no rent, sure. <laughs> rates, liability, everything. D1, no, we're just not doing that. Yeah, okay. But so what square footage do you think overall that is? It's about 10,000 right. square okay. feet, but I think they number. would retain some of it. Yeah. So I, we're, 
having drawings and things done just now to look at the best way to do that. And I think we would probably start with one half of it, which is already quite split up into okay. different units anyway. Okay, so jumping back to the other bit that you've done, um, how was your expectation for fit-out costs? How did that go? How was the what was the length of time to actually get the fit-out done when was, you converted that It was that quite space? quick, actually, because we didn't have much to do. I mean, it really was just plasterboard walls and, you know, new smoke um, beams and, not beams, sorry, smoke detectors and the security entry system, like the shared kitchen, toilets, corridor were all there. And it, you know, was very neutrally decorated and everything. The common stuff was there, but you Uh still had to create the units. Uh Uh-huh. I wasn't much involved in it, to be fair, though. So what time Um, was that? Probably two months. Two months. Uh Fantastic. Okay. And then I'm giggling to myself fond memories of this. When you went (laughs) to actually advertise and fill that space, just talk through that. Well, actually, <laughs> somebody got in touch with me who is uh, an agent elsewhere and said to me, you know, I, I see your place is available and can I come and see you? So he actually did a lot of legwork for me and brought some tenants to me, thankfully. And um, I mean, it's it's your wording as well. You know, so I was like, let's get away from calling it an office. Let's call them spaces. Let's call them studios. Let's, Which was a bit of a nightmare. Actually, somebody came to see it thinking it was a residential studio but oh, right, you know, okay. English wasn't their first language um, and I'm like no no <laughs> nobody can live here but um, yeah, when you get away from calling things offices and you call them spaces or whatever you attract unusual businesses Yes. so our first tenant that we secured is our music recording studio Okay. and he's got a podcast booth and he's really cool funky new business um, and he's it's, it's just a really interesting guy and then, as, as you know, our, our novelty tenant yes. is um, a really inspirational young guy who's actually off work today for his graduation, which is lovely. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he is um, a trainer cleaning laundry called Crip Cleans. Yeah. So this guy cleans trainers. Mm-hmm. But Jerry, some of these trainers are like... Yeah, oh yeah. Well, as we were discussing <laughs> before we put, uh-huh. hit record, yeah, the value of some of these uh-huh. shoes is nuts, uh-huh. isn't it? Uh-huh. So it's a kind of footballer's market primarily, I think. Um, but yeah, he runs a really successful business and he's loving his, um, you know, his new premises and I think he's probably going to expand very shortly. And it's, it's probably not, I mean, to be fair, it's probably not the first tenant you would think of anyway, but it's <laughs> definitely not the first tenant you would think of in a, how many square feet, 150,000 square feet yeah, overall yeah. space. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. it's probably not, you know, in the dim and distant past. Mm-hmm. When the family bought the building, it's probably not the first tenant you would have thought of moving in. Is that fair? <laughs> Quite so. <laughs> do the rest of the family know he's there? <laughs> yeah, some do, yeah. <laughs> what other tenants have moved in? What other types of businesses? So we have an auction house mm-hmm. um, who holds a, a, an auction there every Tuesday night. And I mean, he's been amazing, actually. He's turned his place around so quickly. We did a bit of work to help him out and he did a bit of work and, you know, made a negotiation about him getting in for a short rent free period online auctions no in face person. to face uh-huh. oh really in person okay. auctions yeah so I mean he sells anything he sells bikes he sells you know fridges anything I don't it's really interesting business though and um, we've also got a, a business who buy um, you know mass produced like coffee cups and drinks bottles and I don't know all sorts of things and personalise it so she's got this amazing printing element to her business and the you know, they were making like Easter baskets and making 
drinks bottles that look like some really famous expensive drinks bottle. I don't know. <laughs> so you're right talking about spaces, not offices. Not yeah, offices. So to, uh-huh. to, to attract all those quirky types of businesses. And, and I think something that people forget is that actually the alternative for these types of businesses is either carry on working at home, uh-huh. which for some is not an option, yeah. Yeah. or go and get an industrial unit. There is no, there's no kind of middle ground there. Yeah. Um, and and that market, that personalised market you're talking about, that is growing all the time, isn't Absolutely, it? Absolutely, yeah. So it's definitely something that FlexBase can can satisfy. Mm-hmm. Do you do you think um, now that you've gone through that process that there was a silver bullet for getting tenants, or was it a mix of things? Because did you not use Gumtree as well? Yeah, memory. Uh-huh. Yeah, Some, I mean, what, came, somebody came to me. What was the Gumtree. most? What was what one thing brought you the most tenants? Yeah, just social media marketing. Yeah, it's interesting you pause there because actually there probably wasn't one thing uh-huh, that uh-huh, did it all. Uh-huh. It was just a was whole. Mer- Let me ask you a question: Have you heard of SAS pensions? They're a fantastic tool for business owners to wrap a commercial property up in a tax-free bubble. SAS can work particularly well with the CMO strategy to generate money both inside and outside of your pension. It goes without saying I'm not a SAS expert, but let me introduce you to someone that is. Bryn Walker has been advising on SAS pensions for many years and has been a long-term supporter of the CPI network. SAS and commercial property work incredibly well together, but there are many nuances and Bryn will make sure you don't stray from the right path. Look in the show notes for the partner link and book up a SAS discovery call with Bryn. Tracking tenant who's been there for um, almost two years now who was Gumtree and I thought, who? And and that's a decent size unit, you know, it's a... 1400 square foot unit and he's a personal trainer and it's a personal training studio and you know he's got a really expensive kit and a a great level of investment in the business and I I thought how do you make a business decision like that off Gumtree you know yeah but we did that's very good okay Noreen so we've been skirting around um, discussing different elements of this and occasionally it's popped up that this is a family owned building yes okay so as I've discovered, not just working with yourself, but with others, when the original owners or purchasers of a property are still involved in the business, but the, the dynamics completely change, their life's changed because it's taken you know a long period of time has gone has passed, that goals change. Mm-hmm. So how have you found managing the family expectation on the building, your own expectations or aspirations for it? Because I can imagine that's probably not easy. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, there's not been much friction around it. I think, so if we're talking about my dad, he's very traditional of thinking mm. with property. And, you know, for him, the be-all and end-all was the 15-year FRI lease. Yes. Hand over the keys, walk away, very little interaction. And... Yes, there's great value in that. Of course there is, you know, an FRI lease is fabulous and you walk away and yeah. uh, nothing much to do uh, rather than collect rent. But um, as as I've demonstrated with like the CMO and things, we're achieving much higher uh, rental figures. Yeah, it's a totally different food. output, isn't Totally it? Yeah. different, but much more people heavy in terms of, you know, actual day-to-day involvement. Um I think it's just just different philosophies. So when the tenants are in and when the money's coming into the bank, of course it looks very attractive and people can <laughs> kind of change their views towards it. Um, still, we have we definitely have a mix. Yeah. You know, and we will, I mean, we've got... I think for that size of unit, you probably always have that mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beauty of having those, the bigger 
size is that as customers grow, let's say Mr. Trainer Man yeah. starts going on to an industrial scale, yeah. Yeah. Um, they need bigger units, right? And the last thing you want to do is lose a good client because uh-huh. you haven't got enough space for them. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, the output from an FRI or full repairing and insuring lease that's on there for 30 years, the plant guys are in there. That output, although the cash per square foot is low, the risk is low. Well, the risk, well, it's debatable whether it's lower, but the actual time input is much more passive, isn't it? Yes. So what we're talking about is much more active, but nevertheless, you're recompensed for that, mm-hmm. for that active role. But it is horses for courses, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you, as you say, are very much more a social uh-huh. person and are clearly enjoying that element of yeah. it. Yeah. What sort of... You, you talk about the next one being 10,000 square foot, but that, that may be doing that in 2,000, 2,500 square foot tranches. Yes. Yep. Yes. Um, have any of the businesses that moved in so far got to a stage where they're saying, do you have anything larger, looking at maybe upsizing? Actually, our trainer guy, yeah. Yep. Um, and I said to him, you know, I think you're a bit cramped in here. Like, I think you probably need to. So we had kitted out for him. We'd put in a sink and we'd put in a splashback yep. and stuff like that for him. Which also is a bit of a game changer when landlords are prepared to do something to yep. incentivize somebody moving in. Like the personal trainer guy that moved in, his one big obstacle was he didn't actually have the upfront cash to put in a shower. And we said, yeah, of course we'll do it for you. It's like a month's rent, you know, no bother. Um, and still is always blown away. I can't believe you did, you guys did that for me type thing. But that's how we operate in life anyway. You know, like you have to make decisions easy for people to take away the obstacles that are yep. stopping them moving in. So... In terms of has he expanded? Yes, he has, and yes, he will need more space. But then, when I, I you know, I mentioned to him about it, he got a bit of a um, obstacle with just a, obviously a bigger monthly outgoing. Yeah, sure. But he will it's a come commitment. To that. Yeah, I mean, he absolutely will. You know? I, I mean, we've certainly found that the larger spaces tend to get let to existing customers. So yeah. rather than a, a big customer moving into a big space, we find that our small guys and girls grow their businesses, and then they end up taking the larger units. So there's a bit of a, a tail there that takes a bit of time. But if, you, if you've if you got the ability to phase your development, which you absolutely have, with a customer paying for the space while it's not being developed, it allows you to grow, A, for your customer base yeah. to, to expand, but also obviously to, to attract new customers. It's a great yeah. situation to be in. And, you know, having spoken to you know, friends, people in common with um, commercial multi-occupancy as well. There's a huge focus on beauty, you know, the nails and yeah. the eyelashes and the hair and all that kind of stuff. And we've not had any inquiry of that at all so far. And I think when we take over this other unit and really try to market to like-minded businesses, so supposing you've got somebody in that does tans, somebody in that yeah. does nails, somebody that does hair or whatever, so it becomes like a wee beauty hub type place yes. or... You know. well, pardon the fun, pun, but when you've done the facelift <laughs> boom, boom. <laughs> on the outside of the building, um, you can rebrand for a certain yeah. element, can't you? You've got quite a lot of windows along one elevation. Is that part yes. of the area that you're thinking of redoing? Uh, no, it's upper. It's down. upper, uh-huh. right, okay. Uh-huh. I mean, a lot of the, beauty, the, the thing about the beauty stuff is often they don't want windows, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, they yeah, need ventilation, point. but they don't necessarily want everybody looking in at what they're up to, uh-huh. right? Good point. Uh-huh. <laughs> Okay, cool. So um, just through that development, through what you've learned in the last year or two, is there anything you would have done differently? I would have got going quicker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely got going quicker on it instead of, you know, hesitating. Yeah. And, um, the, the expensive tech, I think, 
you know, is a must. I, I hesitated on that as well. And I thought mm. I don't want to outlay all that cash. But when you look at, you know, we keep going back to trainer guy, but when you think that he's got X thousand pounds worth of designer yeah. trainers in a, in a wee room, he definitely needs a decent entry system. Yeah. Um, what would I do different? Um, just, just more marketing, quicker marketing. And probably engaged an agent quicker. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I what? just come from a residential property background as well, and I can't believe the pace just seems so much slower in um, commercial than resi. It definitely is. But was there some hesitation from your side, though, do you think, just in terms of, you mentioned there about not sure whether I should invest yeah. totally yeah. in the in the equipment or the yeah. tech. So, so there was a bit of hesitation, yeah, because it is a bit of a risk, obviously. The risk? Scary at all, or what? a bit? So when so when you break it down and you think, okay, we've got a, one unit has a you yep. know a rates liability. It also has a service charge liability. It also has the rental loss of rental. Um, I've had to break it up. So kind of pay myself the service charge only for the occupied elements of yep. the and the shared percentage elements of the shared space. Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, and then. Uh, chunk it up and have it all rates reassessed so that the individual units don't have a rates liability for you know small business rates relief. So they, they can all basically each business can either pay rates because it needs to because uh-huh. it's of a certain size or they can benefit from the rates yeah. relief. Yeah, yeah, but that has all taken so much longer than I expected mm. it to. So much longer. I mean, I don't know that nobody in Glasgow City Council seems to be at their work. <laughs> um, I cannot believe. I'm not sure it's just Glasgow. <laughs> how long it's taken for the rates. Um, element of things so it definitely would have started that you know a good deal quicker yeah okay um somebody else out there listening to this who may be in a similar scenario um with the dynamic with the family um a, a building that's had a certain way of working for a long time um what tips would you give them listen to your leads that are coming in yeah you know so if you're trying to market a ten thousand square foot unit and you keep getting inquiries for 300 square foot studios. I mean, come on. <laughs> Listen to your leads and follow the market. Yeah. Uh, go see other places. Go see what they've done and, uh, you know, speak accordingly. See, you know, the high street's really changed as well. Like, uh, it used to be that you had to be on the high street. Yeah. You had to, you know, if you wanted your hair done or a surveyor or an estate agent or whatever. I mean, it's, times have changed, obviously, with the pandemic and Zoom and everything else. But people all want to go and visit other people's premises and you don't need to be on the high street. So really listen to your leads, assess what's out there and open your thinking that you don't have to be on a high street. You don't have to be in a shop front. You don't have to be, you know, just be more creative with your thinking. Mm -hmm. It it is interesting how many businesses, as you say, that we would traditionally expect to go and see on the high street are now going to flex spaces. And I don't know whether... Well, there's that adage about, you know, um, them flocking together. So, uh, for instance, you know, sometimes um, state agents are often in the same uh-huh, road, uh-huh. right? Hairdressers are often in the same road. Restaurants <laughs> often in the same cluster, yeah. you know, and there's that thing about, oh, I don't want to be in with competition. But actually, in reality, uh-huh. it makes uh-huh. a big difference because from the customer's point of view, they're all together. And, and in one of our buildings where we have quite a lot of therapy and health and well-being businesses, there is occasionally that conversation when one's viewing to maybe move in of, well, I'm not sure there's another chiropodist, as an example. Mm-hmm. Um, but once they actually move in, they recognise that actually 
they're not stealing my business, but by all being in the same place, it actually promotes the whole thing. Yeah. It's quite interesting Absolutely. how that works. Yeah. I agree. So I, in the area I live in, actually, it's like estate agent land. There's literally yeah. eight estate agents yeah. all next door to each other. And it's the same with um, beauty. There's about six hairdressers. In fact, I was looking at purchasing a shop there and um, I thought, God, it can't, it can't possibly take another hairdresser or beauty or whatever. But they do because they all... And nobody steals business off anybody else. They just all enhance each other's presence. They do generally, although sometimes um, the new hairdresser is because they've left the one they used to work for yeah, <laughs> two yeah, doors yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like plumbers, though. You know, it's difficult to herd them. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just in terms of the tech, what was some of the stuff that you invested in that you wouldn't have ordinarily done with the other units? So... Um, we have a CCTV presence across the whole site anyway, yep. but for the CMO, we put in internal CCTV as well right. to protect the entrance and protect the common areas, yep. um, not in anyone's individual units. We put in a, is it called Paxton 10, I think it's Paxton, called, yep. A, yep. a security entry system. So it's like keyless entry um, that you can operate on an app. And I thought that was really important because... To give people access in, but also to prevent access yep. if, if um, you know, if somebody's left or if somebody's yes, yeah, uh, terminated employment or something or not paying their bills. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> uh-huh. Cut them off the app, please. Um, what else have we put in? Um, automated lighting, so sensors. Okay, PIR sensors, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, hive heating have you, control. Have you put them in units or just in no, the common areas? In the common areas, yeah. And then hive for the heating, yeah. Hive for the heating, uh-huh. Um, just so that we can, you know, keep an eye and keep a control on the on the heating, um, individual thermostats in all the individual rooms. Yep. Um, I think that's Is it electric heating. No, it's gas. Gas. Okay. Unfortunately. <laughs> so when you put individual thermostats, how are you controlling that? Is that controlling the radiator valves, or is yeah. that uh, yeah? Because yeah, they're not all in separate valve. rings, right? Okay. Um, and we were submetering one of the units as well. We've not actually done that yet, but we're going to submit for electricity because they're going to have an exceptionally high usage so it's yeah. not fair for them to that's part of the uh-huh. um that's part of the um questioning when you're uh-huh. doing viewings isn't it it's just to find out what is it they do just so in with, case you know, with your advice obviously we've got a reasonable use clause in yeah. for utilities but this is not going to be reasonable use because he's got a recording studio so it's heavy take yeah um so he's agreed that we'll submit to him and he'll get Electricity bills. I think sometimes customers, especially for the businesses that are going from an early stage and want pretty quick growth, actually that's a reasonable thing because mm-hmm. they get a small reduction in their rent because you're not including the electricity element. But now that the, the electricity is totally up to them, then yeah, you know if you're doing if you're using a lot, you're probably doing more business. If yeah. you're using less, you're doing less business. Yeah. You know, and, and, and it kind of works both ways, doesn't Fair. it? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyone that's thinking about doing it. It's maybe got some industrial space right now um, or some office space. You mentioned there about listen to your leads. We've talked about the tech element. In terms of um, actually sort of the contract type, because that, that's a change, right? So you're doing FRI leases. That's something that especially old school really like. Yeah. Um, using the licenses, how have, you, how have you found that as an experience, both in terms of bringing in new customers and also maybe dealing with in, internally with um, other um, members of the family. Really, this is a, this is a new contract type mm-hmm. and also with your tenants. So uh, can you maybe just talk to us a little bit about the ch- difference you felt with the lease and the license and what benefits yeah. it's brought and 
be some of the challenges. So I think uh, partly due to the current financial climate as well, mm. people obviously have a fear and a lack of confidence in entering a huge, you know, lengthy lease yeah. and they want a bit of flexibility. So I think it really gives people confidence to know that there's a drag along lease that, you know, if you expand, you can go bigger. You're not going to be stuck with this wee unit if you're, yes. you know, got a bigger team and things like that. Um, so it gives them a degree of flexibility as well as us a degree of flexibility. Yep. It affords us the option if we want to move somebody's location that we can move that location. So, you know, they're not tied into... Yes, within reason, yeah. Uh-huh, if you uh-huh, want, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, it just feels like a more flexible solution for both parties um, and so it's more attractive I think in this climate yeah. um, don't get me wrong, some of our tenants still are, still are on full FRI leases and there's a comfort in that as well yeah. because it's a much more passive um, it's the, income It's healthy to have that mix yeah. especially on larger properties like that um, we, we, We're going through the same scenario right now where one of our larger properties we've got some leases and some licenses some of the leases are coming up some are being renewed, some are not, and, and I'm trying to work out whether we continue leasing that section or we do what you're talking about, which is carve it up and, and, and put it onto licences. And I think when you get to a certain scale, there's probably a balance to be had there. Yeah. And, and also the other thing is it depends on where you're at in your investment time frame, right? So when you start out, when I started out, being active, creating extra value, creating income through... Um, trading business really helps but longer term actually probably more passive element would be of benefit too so it does depend on where you're at doesn't it it's just interesting you guys coming from the other way Uh I guess uh the point uh where we start with the podcast it's just that actually you're used to all the FRI leases and now we're going transitioning back the other way and of course that does lead you to question how you know supposing in the event of a sale or a refinance or whatever how is my building going to be valued Yeah. so obviously it's much cleaner cut if it's on FRI leases and, you know, you would just yep. use a multiplier of the rent roll. But with licences, it's not quite so clean cut. Not, not at the moment. We're yes. getting there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So It's keeping your data. It's keeping the information about your, um, your occupancy, the square foot rate, all that data when you do come to sit down with a value really helps. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the industry seems to be pushing reasonably well or the 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 direction of travel is that um there's there's two parts to the valuation one being the square foot rental rate what you would expect and then and a multiplier type apply to that and then the ebitda or the earnings after blah 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 on the operating side having a, a smaller multiple but never less a multiple so you're yeah. basically getting two tier valuation just yeah. so that it says it recognizes that actually there's a trading element here mm-hmm. but it's producing good income mm-hmm. and it just gets multiplied by a slightly lesser number mm-hmm. seems to be the way that we're going i'm, I'm hoping that becomes so, yeah. uh-huh. the way because mm-hmm. interestingly those that have properties that are sitting with license space right now actually that would lift the value but part of that is getting the right value in. Yeah. Because <laughs> some of them do it one way and uh-huh. some do it another. They may say they all use the same methods, but there's there's a bit more flexibility in that. Anyway, right, I'm getting off on a tangent there. So um, what's next? We've talked spoke about the 10,000 square foot, but what's next for Noreen? Ooh. <laughs> um, well, as you know, I my background also is Resi. 
property, yep. which I've really kind of put on hold for the last year or so just to really concentrate on, you know, changing the face of this commercial property. Yep. It's important that we're having a bit of a rebrand, you know, a, a colossal paint job on the outside of the building and, you know, tidying up of lots of things is really important to give it a bit of a facelift to yep. just, you know, the old, the old gals looking a bit tired. <laughs> and um, yeah, so so that, that's coming and I'm hoping that'll give us a bit of a new lease of life. And, you know, it's a very prominent building from the motorway, yeah. as we say, so it hopefully should grab a bit of attention and attract some leads. And then that will look to, you know, filling the new space we're talking about doing for the additional CMO. Um, we have a bit of a change around in another couple of the big heavy industrial units as well. So we'll need to do a bit of a facelift on them and attract good quality tenant. And again, as you said, we'll go FRI on that. You know, they're, yep. they're big old big spaces ones, yep. and they're too big to manage. Um, and really for me to have a look at with this growth has just been an increased workload for myself. But I really have to look now to try and systemise things yeah. more properly and make myself a bit freer um, because I'd like to reduce my uh, time there yeah. you know, over the next couple of years um, and get back to concentrating on my own portfolio as well And would that portfolio growth include commercial? I hope so, yes More residential? <laughs> yes Okay Any uh Thoughts or inklings on what type of commercial you'd be looking at? I'm looking at a little shop just now, which, mm -hmm. as I said, would just Ancient, be, yeah. you know, beauty or um, something. But I would like to, um, I've got a real passion about care leavers. I'm really passionate about, you know, as I say to I'm very fortunate. We've got a very fortunate life. My four kids have got a very fortunate life. And I always say to them, you don't choose which door you're born behind. You know, some people have got a very different life. I've been involved in the children's hearing system in Scotland for several years and we see the other side of life and, you know, some people don't have a good start in life and it's just not fair. And um, as a result, I feel very passionately about care leavers and I just feel that people leave the care system and they're just like, there you go, happy yeah. birthday, on you go. And I would like to set something up in that circuit um, with the kind of, not assisted living, but kind of decreasing assisted living. Okay. That's interesting, yeah. So the, the, this is... I guess I should have asked this earlier on. It's that motivation thing about there's already a... So we we both know Ivan. Ivan's in a similar scenario where his father bought a fantastic building. Um, it's a great building and, and you could just live your life with that building. Um, but it's having the drive for more. And not necessarily just for more sake, but because you've got a desire to do something a bit different there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's quite interesting that you're talking about, well, I want to get this one straight. I want to get the, the support in there so that I don't have to invest all my time in it yeah. whilst I can then go on and do, the, go and build my own stuff, mm -hmm. which I think is really quite... I think it's anyone who knows me probably, I hope, would agree, but I'm very values-led. Yeah. And um, it can't all just be about sitting at a desk and playing with your calculator all day or, you know, it has to be about creating solutions for people, taking away obstacles for people and doing doing a good thing for people. So that's really what I want to do. Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, Noreen, thank you so much for joining thank me. You, it's been Julie. a real pleasure. Yes, me too. Thank you very much. Super. Right, we'll go and cool down now. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the content delivered on the CPI podcast. Even though it's free to listen to, it actually takes quite a bit of time and financial commitment to deliver each and every episode. 
Did you know that by leaving a positive written review, you, yes, you will have a direct impact on the visibility of the podcast. And that's really important because by reaching a wider audience, it helps our team to continually improve the overall content that we deliver to you week after week. For some of you, leaving a review will be second nature, but for others, it might be your first one. Open your podcast app, pick the CPI podcast and search for previous reviews. And on iTunes in particular, click to look at all of the reviews and then you'll see an option to leave a written review. Go on, it'll only take two minutes and it'll really make our day. And we genuinely read every single one of them.